Welcome into the Green Zone, Saskatchewan. Jamie and I are with you on a Thursday afternoon, and I look up and about to begin spring training. Yes, baseball, as it, it looks like it's a packed place for the uh, L.A. Dodgers in spring training this afternoon. We're going to catch up with Scott Mitchell from TSN. He is TSN's Blue Jays reporter on what you can expect this spring from the Jays heading into the season and the big question marks for the Toronto Blue Jays trying to find some success in the postseason. Although a lot of questions about whether this team is actually going to get to the postseason after missing out on Shohei Otani. And speaking of the Dodgers, yes, uh, a lot of attention will be on their spring with uh, Shohei, now a member of the L.A. Dodgers. So, yes, baseball is back with spring training underway in Arizona and Florida. Also on the Green Zone today, uh, Tom Mayanek will be in our host of the sport market here on CJME and CKOM. The big story came out late yesterday afternoon, the Canadian Soccer Players Association that represent the women's team, the women's national team, filing a $40 million lawsuit against 15 former and current members of Canada soccer about just screwing up a major deal with some... It's a a company known as Canada Soccer Business. And this is a group of business people, including Scott Mitchell that runs the Hamilton Tiger Cats and is part owner, uh, who cut a deal with Canada Soccer to take care of their uh, marketing and sponsorship and television rights deals, and we'll cut you a check for like $3 bucks. And the players are going, pardon me? I imagine we're worth a heck of a lot more than that. And they want to see the money. Uh, Tom Mayanect will weigh in on a major development yet again as a Canadian women's soccer team is just underway in an international competition. Uh, today. Terry Koshin's also going to join us. He is the Toronto Maple Leafs reporter for the Toronto Sun as Austin Matthews' watch continued last night. Back it comes to Lilligren. Matthews shoots, scores! Number 50 for Austin Matthews in his backyard! I just, I just want to note something. Just before we get into Austin Matthews. Listen to the crowd. Shoot stars! Number 50 for Austin Matthews in his backyard. And his backyard, it's not in Toronto. That game was not in Toronto last night. That game was in Arizona at Mullet Arena. And you see the image of Austin Matthews along the boards. And all the fans standing up cheering the goal. I spotted one coyote jersey and someone, I couldn't tell if it was a coyote bunny hug or not, but it looked like that red color of the Arizona coyotes. So I'll say, okay, and one person in a bunny hug for the coyotes. The other 20 fans were wearing blue for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it was like that the other night when the Edmonton Oilers came through there. Oh, man, that would drive me nuts. If you're a member of the Arizona Coyotes and you're playing in a small barn and most of the fans aren't cheering for you, 
that would be tough. I know you're collecting a monster paycheck and you know, you'll cry yourself to sleep on your pillows full of cash, but it would be frustrating as a pro knowing what else the other 31 teams experience, which is for the most part, world-class facilities, a lot of them brand new facilities and, and you're playing in a university rink for some of them, probably the smallest rink they played in since U18 AAA. Because even in university and in some of their big universities or in the CHL might have been playing in bigger stadiums than that one. But Terry Koshin's going to be in because Austin Matthews got his 50th and then with a fortunate bounce off his chest neck got 51 last night as well in Arizona. And he is at a pace... Well, this is a pace we haven't seen in 28 years. But if he's topping 70 goals, ladies and gentlemen, he is the Hart Trophy winner. He is the league's MVP, most valuable player. I don't care how many points Nikita Kucherov and Connor McDavid score because they're 1-2 right now in scoring at 1.67 points per game. McDavid won last year. He was like 1.8 points per game the pace austin matthews is on it doesn't matter how many points those guys get he's scoring the goals and doing it in style that it's been a while we've seen so austin matthews he's the heart trophy winner like uh, i'm gonna pull a, a justin blackwell you might as well just get the trophy out now and etch Austin Matthews' name on the Hart Trophy for the league MVP. I know Justin, host of Saskatchewan Afternoon, wants to do that with Connor McDavid at the start of the season. I'm just going to do it right here, right now. After 51 in 54 games, he is the Hart Trophy winner. You can disagree with me, but you're wrong. one 332 8255 But there's still 20-plus games left. Knock on wood, there's no injuries or anything else. There's still games to be played before the voting finalizes before the playoffs. And yes, this is an award that's handed out for regular season contribution. It has nothing to do with the playoffs because we all know what Austin Matthews and the Leafs are going to do. They're going to be ousted in the first or second round now. That is what the Leafs do. But going into the playoffs, he would be my MVP in the NHL. And we're going to keep you up to date on the Scotties Tournament of Hearts this afternoon. Unfortunately, last night... Saskatchewan Skylar Ackerman struggled in a 13-4 loss. They're 4-4. Four and four. Apparently, and this comes from uh, CBC's Devin Haru, Saskatchewanian, that Curling Canada says there's 196 scenarios for the final playoff spot in Pool A. I don't know if any of them include Skylar Ackerman making it, I was trying to go through them this afternoon. Probably spent way too much trying to figure out if Skylar Ackerman has a chance. I don't think she does because of the last rock draw. And this is where I could go on for a while on how ridiculous it is that Skylar Ackerman and Caitlin Laws and Krista McCarville, everybody, there could be a five-way tie and it could come down to Who in practice before the games had better draw weight to the button? 
Instead of, you know, going, okay, this is how we're going to shuffle it out. They had a record here. They had a record there. These are the top two teams based on records against each other. They're going to play in a tiebreaker. No, we don't want them to go on the ice and play a game. And by the way, I looked at the schedule. Nothing's going on tomorrow morning in Calgary. There's open ice. But no, let, let's settle it with some whimsical draw to the button in the pregame practice a half an hour before they take to the ice to decide who makes the playoffs. Seriously, that would be like NHL teams going, you know what we're going to do before the game? Uh, you're going to pick one player. They're going to have five pucks at the goal line, and they have to shoot it in the net on the other side, and we're going to keep track on how many goals you get. And then at the end of the season, if there's a tie, it's just based on uh, who had the most goals in this random skill right before the games all season long. So it could come down to that. It'll likely come down to that unless Krista McCarville wins today, and then... She will be the third team in Pool A. And I imagine that is what's going to happen with all these different, complicated, convoluted tiebreakers that they're going to go through. It'll just be the easiest one. Krista McCarville wins, BC loses, and there's no tiebreaker at all. There's just your top three in Pool A. But Skylar Ackerman's round robin is over with a 4-4 four and four record. Even if she misses the playoffs, I think... You have to say to the young 22-year-old Skip and the rookie team from Saskatchewan, you did pretty darn good for your first trip to the Scotties, especially with the field they were up against. This is one of the most competitive fields ever at a Scotties, and it'll carry over. It's one of the most competitive fields at the Briar. Coming up starts next Friday, and of course the Green Zone will be there covering it throughout the week in Regina for, I almost called it the Tim Hortons Briar. Whew, don't screw that up. I want some ribs. It's Montana's Briar now. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jamie Nye. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday afternoon. A reminder, in the next week... Uh, we're going to give our first winner a call for the Green Zone Community Coach presented by Cal Tire. You still have time to nominate a volunteer coach in Saskatchewan, and I know there are plenty of them who deserve a shout-out, and that's what we're going to be doing on the Green Zone going forward once a month. So this isn't only for this month. It is once a month we are going to name the Green Zone Community Coach But we could use your help. You can go to cjme.com or ckom.com and find in the promotions the Green Zone Community Coach and tell the story of a volunteer coach, what they do, and it could be flag football, youth soccer, basketball, anything. What are they coaching and why you're nominating them? And we'd love to give them a call, have a little chat, on their volunteer work, and plus, they get to be rewarded with a $100 gift card from Source for Sports. So cjme.com, ckom.com, for the Green Zone Community Coach, uh, please do nominate our great coaches here in Saskatchewan. Well, did you see the news yesterday, Montreal Expo fans? I know there are a lot of you still out there. Netflix announced 
that there will be a documentary made on the 2004 exit of the Expos from Montreal. And I know this will be an interesting one to watch. So this is a partnership with a Montreal-based production company and the director, Jean-Francois Poisson, got it greenlit to do the documentary when they became the Nationals in 2005. I was there not the last season for the Montreal Expos, but it was a sad place, was the big O. I got tickets on the third baseline for $2 for a Major League Baseball game. So I went to a few games when I was in Montreal because it cost me about 6 bucks to watch a whole series on the third baseline, lower level. And I could have really sat anywhere I wanted. As the stadium was, and it still is, they're putting so much money into a new roof into the Big O. But at one time, a very passionate fan base, and still have passionate fans, would love to see Montreal get baseball back. Uh, So something to look out for is a new documentary coming to Netflix on the exit of Major League Baseball from Montreal. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone on a Thursday afternoon. Watching some baseball today. The Dodgers and the Padres are underway in spring training. Yes. It didn't go well for the Padres in the top, first uh, half of the inning. Um, there was a lot of lot of runs being scored there by the uh, L.A. Dodgers. It is uh, eight to nothing. Still in the top of one. Hey, it's spring training, so we'll see how it's uh, going to go for the Toronto Blue Jays. We're about to catch up with Scott Mitchell of uh, TSN. But also coming up here on the Green Zone, Tom Manek's going to weigh in on the uh, story, our sport business analyst, on yet again more drama with Canada soccer and the women's team. Canadian Soccer Players Association that represent the women's team has filed a 40 million-dollar lawsuit against 15 current and former Canada Soccer Board members who signed a sponsorship deal in 2018 with a private company known as Canadian Soccer Business. This is the same business that runs the Canadian Premier League, and there's a lot of speculation, well, more than speculation, that they're using a lot of the funds that they're getting from sponsorship marketing, etc., from the national teams Uh, you know, to help pay the bills for the uh, Canadian Premiership teams. And is that fair for the national athletes? We'll find out with Tom Mayanect, our sport business analyst here on the Green Zone. But let's head to a lot warmer climates. As spring training underway in Dunedin, Florida, the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, covering it all for TSN is uh, Scott Mitchell. Scott, how's it going? Not too bad. I'm in uh, St. Pete right now, and it's uh, yeah, it's a little uh, a little warmer than it is there, probably. 
a little bit. It's a mild day. It's plus one. But we don't need to know what the weather is. Oh, uh, in, uh, I mean, you'll take that. Oh, Come on, every day we'll take that in February. Uh, but, Scott, Absolutely. before we dig into the Toronto Blue Jays, how are their uniforms holding up with the, the Fanatics uh, design? <laughs> um. Yeah, there's a few complaints, but but funny enough, I, I, I said to one of the team employees, I said, you know, what, what are you going to do about these things? And he goes, well, it's a Major League Baseball team. We have a tailor, so we will just fix them for them. And I said, oh, so kind of a non-issue? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we have enough money to fix those. <laughs> so they're just going to customize the pants for the players. And, and yeah, it hasn't been a, a, as big of a story in the Blue Jays clubhouse than it has, has been on Twitter, I guess. So. It's just like, yeah, we'll just make our own. Kind of an interesting conversation. I was like, yeah, you guys make some money. You know, the, the Blue Jays do okay. I would think so. Uh, being able to chase down Shohei Otani this offseason would show how much money they uh, uh, possibly have. Um, okay, I, I'm going to be honest. How much did not getting Shohei Otani change the outlook on a team that made the playoffs last year? I, the Blue Jay fans I know, it's they're, they're kind of like, ah, I don't know about this season. I don't know if it's just the bad vibes of not getting Shohei and the excitement that Renner went around tracking that Dragon's Den plane all the way from California to Toronto. But what is the outlook for the Jays this season? Yeah, no, all, all of that is very fair. Um, you know, Bo Bichette kind of said it yesterday. This is the first time this group has been doubted. And, and yeah, I think the number of factors, I think the, the biggest factor is, you know, two straight postseason oysters where you don't win a game. Um, and one of those is at home. So that's the, the, the top reason, you know, people are down on this team. And, and that's fair in a way. Um, it's also very hard to make the postseason. So um, you'd rather be this club than you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates or something like that. But when you take that into the offseason, um, you know, you're Mark Shapiro, you're Ross Atkins, you essentially come out and you say, look, yeah, we're, we're trying to make some big swings. We want to, you know, add some significant pieces. Um, you know, they set the expectation. And, yeah, the Shohei thing, look, um, it was real in terms of the chase. Uh, the Dodgers really had to fumble the ball. So, um, you know, that was a, uh, a real tough one to see kind of coming to fruition in the end. I think it was more, you know, the, the no, no Juan Soto deal. I mean, that deal goes down as you're still chasing Otani. Um, you know, any other kind of impact trade that you could have envisioned obviously didn't happen. Um, yeah, it, it was just a very quiet off season and, and one that you kind of look at this club um, from top to bottom and you, you lose Matt Chapman, you lose Brandon Belt, um, you lose a couple other pieces in other areas. Uh, you bring in Justin Turner, uh, you bring back Kevin Kiermeyer, um, you know, Isaiah Connor Falefa. It, it's just not, you know, you can make the argument on paper that this team isn't as good as last year. And, um, you know, the front office has been pretty blatant about the fact that they're banking on internal improvements. And, you know, I'm finishing up a column today, kind of, you know, outlining a, a couple ways that this team could win 95 games. And then on the other side, outlining ways that they could miss the postseason completely. And, you know, it's a lot of, uh, is Vladdy 2021 Vladdy, the MVP candidate? He was worth 6.3 war that season. He was worth one last year. That's a massive five win gap. Um, is Alec Manoa in the minor leagues again, or is he a Cy Young finalist again? Um, you know, I think splitting the difference on that one would be nice, but you look at a lot of years from guys last year, key guys, and, you know, they were down seasons. Dalton Varsho, Alejandro Kirk. I think someone has to have kind of a big breakout, but um, you know you can kind of argue right now that this team isn't as good on paper, and that that's really never going to satisfy a fan base. 
and it shouldn't. Scott Mitchell at TSN, Blue Jays a reporter here on the Green Zone to preview spring training. They get going on uh, Saturday. Is, are there big holes or any holes that they need answers to in spring training, Scott? Well, look, I, I think the fifth starter is is the one that's getting a lot of attention just because it's Alec Manoa. Um, you know, I don't know that that's really a battle. I think they're kind of going to just hand it to him. And after watching him pitch live today, uh looked way better than anything I saw last year. So as your fifth starter, I, I think, you know, that spot is getting attention, but there's not really a competition. Um, you know, the bullpen is a veteran group that you kind of just want to see stay healthy over the next six weeks. Um you're kind of just looking at second base, third base, but you kind of know the names. Um, you know, Isaiah Kainfalefa, Davis Schneider, um, Calvin Biggio. And, and that's the interesting part. That's kind of another, you know, ingredient in, in terms of, you know, the, the down kind of look on this team is, is they really just ran back almost the entire group. And, you know, when you haven't had success, um, you know, I think people fairly question that. So yeah, second base, third base, how the infield picture kind of shakes out in the end. And, you know, we might not have an answer, you know, truly to that on opening day. I think, you know, a number of these guys are just going to have to fight for their playing time. Um, Probably the one thing that I would really monitor, uh, you know, on the excitement side is, is can one of these prospects kind of push their way in in mid-March with a really good camp? And, you know, that's where you talk about internal improvement. Look, I mean, Arelvis Martinez, I've been writing about this guy for five years now, and he had a great season last year in AAA. Made a lot of um, swing decision strides, cut the strikeout rate. Um, you know, if he comes up and plays second base, third base, and, and you know, gives you a, a good number six hitter at some point in the season and is major league ready, you know, that, that can change kind of the complexion of your team. Um, Addison Barger is another one I would throw in that mix. He had a big year two years ago. So there are some guys in AAA that I'm kind of curious if they can push their way into jobs over the next six weeks. And if they don't, at least position themselves to, you know, maybe, uh, maybe contribute by, by May or June because, you look at the veterans on this roster, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, so you kind of just got to hope for health and, and kind of hope for a breakout from one of the guys that, you know, didn't have a good year. Marshall, Alejandro Kirk, those are probably the two I'd, I'd look at the most. Earlier, was it, uh, I'm looking at producer Scott, was it last week we were talking about Alec Manoa and we had a few calls, a few texts, and it was split on whether they were ready to say, oh, yeah, we expect a bounce-back season for Alec Manoa or no, he's done. Uh, we'll never see the same guy again. You've seen him, as you said, live today. What are we expecting about the guy who was the ace of this rotation last season? Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of talked about it on Sports Center after day after we talked with the media. We hadn't seen him throw yet, so he's kind of reserving judgment to you see the stuff. And I'll still continue to reserve it the month of March because, you know, we all seen great fruit league baseball. Um, you know, results don't really matter, but... When he came out today and I looked over at the, the Trackman thing and it was 92, 93 consistently after hearing 87, 88 last year, when you, when you add the, the weight drop in, when you kind of just talk to him and, and hear his confidence is back a little bit, um, he's actually developing a, a new cutter that he's going to test out to, to, to kind of neutralize lefties a little bit. Um, Look, I'm willing to say right now, I think you're going to get a confident starting pitcher, um, which is a, a great thing to have with the, the rest of the depth in that rotation. Uh, a long way to go between now and opening day. And, you know, I think the interesting thing is even coming into last year, there were a lot of kind of markers of, of potential regression um, coming off Manoa's 2022 year, you know, the, the all-star game, the, the Cy Young finalist. 
Um, I don't know that I expected that to even come back last year because that, that's a big ask. So, look, I, I think this guy looks right now like a like a good back end starter. Um, if I bump that up to a good mo- mid rotation starter by by the end of March, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, just a, a lot of progress and a, and a kind of a lot of good news. And sometimes that can get uh, you know a little much in spring training. So I'll continue to reserve judgment. But with ninety two, ninety three today was was the best sign you could have seen. I just tweeted out, you know, he needs to be 93, 94. So when you're, when you're already close to that in late February, you know, down 30 pounds, uh, I think it's a pretty good scene for them right now. Okay, final one for you, Scott. Um, last year it was the mustachioed Davis Schneider who wowed fans and bursting onto the scene. Who's the guy this year that Toronto Blue Jay fans should be keeping an eye on maybe midseason to take a jump to the bigs? and make a name for themselves? Hmm. Uh, well, I just pointed out a Relvis and, and Addison Barger. Um, but, I mean, David Schneider was way off the radar for most last year. I'll go um, – actually, the one I've, I've said a couple times this year is uh, a good old uh, a good old uh, kid that went to Vauxhall Academy out in Alberta, um, Damiano Palmagiani. Uh, this guy reached AAA last year and – Pretty much raked very quietly at the end of the season, and this guy's got some some big time pop, uh, some big time power. He's got a real good uh, idea of what he's doing at the plate, and uh, he also crushes left handed pitching. So if, if you told me he was getting some third base time and 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 getting some DH time at some point this year, um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So um, you, you said you're going to write a column on how this team can get ninety some wins or maybe out of the playoffs. What does Scott Mitchell think this Toronto Blue Jays team will actually do? <laughs> You're asking for this one. What is it? February twenty second. Well, we ha- oh, we always have to start before the. We do it the same with the Riders and uh, before training camp on where the team's going to go. So why not the Blue Jays before spring training schedules underway? All right, all right. Come on, um, bold predictions here, Scott. Give it to me. What do you got? World Series I mean, parade yeah. in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be saying any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm, I've, I've kind of almost defended this team in a way this year on social media and stuff because I think people are too down on them. It's like this is a very good ball club. I, I think they're right in the mix for 90 wins again, and that's kind of why I'm writing the call. And the difference between 95 wins and 85 wins is probably a couple injuries and you know a few bad things happening that you can't really foresee. Um, I think we're going to be talking about this team right in the wild card mix, um, you know, on the final weekend of the season again, like we have essentially for the last three years. And, you know, I think being a fan of a team that's in that mix, it might be stressful, but um, it's better than watching September baseball and watching minor leaguers and, you know, not having a chance at that point in the year. So um, I guess I'm saying, you know, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, I think they, I think they make the postseason. Um, what happens from there, man? Postseason baseball is is four bounces and one good pitching performance, and you're either going home or you're moving on. So it's tough. Uh, I think if they did get back there again, odds would be in their favor. Just uh, you know the the luck of a draw that you know maybe you, you move on and and at least get over the hump and make some progress this year. I think that's the most important thing. Um, you know this team needs to make progress, and when you factor in Bobachet and Vladimir. Gerdic- Junior's contractual status heading into the next season, which would be their final one without an extension. Uh, very important year for this ball club. That is Scott Mitchell at TSN, and of course, uh, all season long uh, and outside of the season too. Uh, check out the uh, Scott Mitchell Show 
and his uh, podcast, Scotty Mitch Show on X, uh, to find the latest episodes. And, of course, a reminder, he did one with Corey Mace uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, to check out as well. Scott, always appreciate your time. Cheers, pal. Anytime. That is Scott Mitchell from TSN, St. Pete, Florida. That is some beautiful country down there, I can tell you that. What do you think, Jays fans? Do you agree with Scott? Disagree? Let us know. one 332 8255 This day in sports, one of the most memorable days in hockey happened on this day in sports. Next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. remembers. On this day in sports history, it was February 22nd. It was the Olympics. It was ice hockey, 1980. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Yes, the United States beat the USSR 4-3 at the Olympic Games. It's known as the miracle on ice, and it happened on this day. In 1980, there was also another memorable hockey moment on this day in 2020. We have word that Dave Ayers, 42 years of age, emergency support goaltender, will be forced into service here for the Hurricanes. Yes, David Ayers. Three seconds left. Here's Clifford. Stopped by David Ayers. The Carolina Hurricanes surround him and defeat the Toronto Maple Leafs. 6-3. Yeah, the Zamboni driver uh, beats his own favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, as he was the e-bug for the Carolina Hurricanes in Toronto on this day in 2020.